Oh no, life isn't perfect. Not, not everything's going my way the way it's supposed to, but or the way I want it to. But it's going away, I guess, that it's supposed to, and that's okay with me. I can accept that. I don't have to like it, but I can accept it today. You know what? Today is December eighth. We are seventeen days away from Christmas, and guess what? Today, being the 8th of December, means that I've been married. Married. I've been married. I'm counting my wedding. Uh, yeah, actually, I am too, too. Because that'll be uh, it'll be seven months. Oh, my gosh, on the 11th. Yes! To lovely Mrs. Martha. Hey, Pippere. Okay, yeah, she just left me, actually. Uh, not left me, but she dropped me off at the office. We went to a concert today. I went to church with her and watched her sing, and then... I came to work, I made breakfast first, then I came to work, and then she came and we went to another concert another friend was having, and then we went and showed a property because I'm a real estate broker. Yay! It was a good day. And then we stopped at A&W. Shameless plug for A&W. Still, they're still in business, and the food was pretty good, actually. I like their cheese curds. Okay, shameless plug. And their onion rings are really good today. The burger wasn't that great, but... I do also like the root beer, like freezes or whatever they call it, but it's like a root beer float or root beer malted. It's really great. Okay, so welcome to the Road to Recovery. Today being December 8th means I have been sober. 24 years, 3 months, and 8 days of continuous sobriety. (laughs) Hooray for me. And you know what? I have every right to jubilate and and dance around. You know, I don't know if tomorrow I'm going to drink. I don't know if I'm going to be sober tomorrow. I don't worry about tomorrow. Because I'm all i got to do is take care of the todays. And today, nothing came along that inspired me or motivated or pushed me to the edge of drinking. Okay? I'm making better choices today. And you can too. I hope you're making better choices as well. You know, it's so funny because... I am very, um, I I don't know, I want to say somewhat consistent these days about explaining to people that I'm making better choices, and so are the people around me, And and they're clear to let me know that when they have things planned and they're going to go to do them, They don't tell me that they have to go do something anymore. They go, I choose to go do this. I choose to go do that. And kudos to them because that is the facts, man. We choose everything that happens to us in our lives for the most part. We are powerless over what? People, places, things. I was powerless at one time over alcohol. and My life had become so unmanageable. Oh, my God, yeah, and you know, the nutty part of that whole deal was that I thought that I could manage my life, okay, and I couldn't, I, it, it was just unmanageable, I couldn't manage it, it was just a crazy, stupid life, and the bad things kept coming, and I kept thinking, well, if I do the same thing and try, you know, hopefully the next time around, it'll be different, it's not, doing the same thing over and over again, Expecting different results, that's insanity. And I was quite insane. So, join me on today's journey into sobriety, another day of sobriety, another week of sobriety. Tell me what it's been like to you. You know what? Our topic today 
I want to say, again, give a shout-out to our last week's guest. Our last week's guest, let's see, was, what was his name? Phil. Phil the Duke. Phil the Duke, kudos to you, sir. Thank you for being our guest. It was uh, It was fun. I had a couple of people ask me about some of the stuff you said. And the questions more came because they didn't understand some of the things that you were saying and doing. And in recovery, yeah, it's been it's been interesting. It's, it's everybody's take on what to do and how to help an alcoholic, especially if you're not an alcoholic or not involved in any type of recovery program, you know, a lot of people don't know what to do and how to help other people. And uh, tonight we're going to talk about uh, codependency a little bit, isn't it? Yeah, codependent or being an, an enabler and a codependent. My friend Dan and I, okay, you don't know who Dan is, but Dan and I went down into Chicago on Friday night to... Experience, I guess, the grand opening of a men's shelter, men's home, I guess, of sorts, that was being put on by some church. And uh, Dan was, my friend Dan was friends with the members of the church. You know, he's a pretty church-going guy. And so he thought he would go and uh, introduce me to see if I would be interested in having these gentlemen on as guests. And Anytime people can come on the air and talk about something good they, they're doing, I'd welcome it. I would prefer something that, as it relates to recovery from addictions, but hey, you know what? We have to kind of support good good things going on in our world, and I would be glad to do that. So gentlemen, if, if any of you are listening today and thinking that you would like to come on the air and talk about your good deeds or what you're doing to change the world in a positive way, uh, I'd welcome that, okay? And so I saw several gentlemen down there, and, uh, well, it just looked like something was, was really good, good and working and in a uh, troubled community. There's a troubled community in Chicago over there. So there's somebody there attempting to making a difference in lives of people over there, and that's good. On my way there, we drove through some challenging neighborhoods, and there was one man I would call a panhandler who was walking around with a cup, senior guy, and he appeared possibly inebriated, drunk, um, you know, and and he didn't look totally homeless. He didn't look really dirty and filthy, but he was soliciting funds in a cup, and which sparked the conversation between my friend Dan and I. I'm Dan, and he's Dan, so that. Dan Squared, and we were talking about uh, how his father, my friend Dan's father, suggested you help struggling people in the streets. And he said, give them 10 bucks and let them go and have a moment of peace with a bottle. And that's pretty much what he said. Now, Dan, if you're listening and you want to challenge that, I want to remind everybody this is a live broadcast, so you can call in at any time and be heard. Area code 323-580-5752. 
888-646-8255 if you have something you want to talk about or you want to respond to anything I'm saying on the air. If you have a comment, a question, a thought, an idea, hey, I'm open. I've got a lot of time. i got I got two hours to kill here, and you're welcome to join me in this thing. You know, it goes a lot faster when there's a, a second party. Now, last week our host, uh, not our host, our guest, Dan, uh, Phil LaDuke, spoke about violence in the workplace and how he was writing a book or books on, um, you know, helping people understand it. And uh, one of his books is called I Know My Shoes Are Untied, Mind Your Own Business. Now, you can find that, by the way, on Amazon. You can find it on uh, um, uh, Barnes & Noble, he said, I guess. You know, he's got that out. And then his other book, which he was really more proud of, was called The Lone Gunman, talking about how you need to prepare yourself for violence in the workplace. And it's just so coincidentally, uh, my sales manager, whose name is also Danielle, so you're getting like a triple Danielle right now, uh, she has scheduled with the local police, the West Chicago Police Department, to come out and do a, a uh, active shooter drill in our office. Wow. You know, what happens if there's an active shooter that came into our office? I don't know what they would want. There's no money here. There's no nothing worth stealing. Our computers aren't that great. You know, uh, maybe they'll get pissed off at me, though, because I, I have a wonderful way of really pissing people off at times, okay? So, you know, it's very possible. You never know. But, yeah, Phil LaDuke uh, spoke about it, and he was talking about how he would talk to his buddies when they would go out drinking and talk about their drinking. And Maybe I misunderstood that or what, but, you know, it's my understanding, again, well, first of all, let me explain. I follow program recovery. It uh, it includes Alcoholics Anonymous. This show is not Alcoholics Anonymous. It does incorporate some of the things I learned in Alcoholics Anonymous. This show is just actually me working my program, me working, taking life one day at a time, one step at a time, so that I stay out of trouble. Because boil, 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 boil. Can I find trouble, okay, or trouble finds me, whatever. It comes looking for me, okay, and I don't want to be in trouble. I have a good life. I'd like to maintain some sort of sound balance of sanity, and, you know, it's been working, getting better and better for the last 24 years, eight months, no, three months, and eight days because I managed to stay clean and sober all that time. Shout out to my dear friend Pamela in Arizona. Good to hear. My friend Gail, I hope you're listening down in Georgia. Yes, Georgia. She's in Georgia. And uh, a lot of good things happening there. Oh, excuse me. My daughters, Jessica and Natalie on the West Coast in San Diego and uh, Oceanside. Daughter-in-law and son-in-law, John and Laura in um, San Francisco, my friend Dan and Sue, either in Florida or up here in Chicago, uh, my friend Anna in New York, man, I haven't heard from her, I hope uh, I did a couple weeks ago, and she was doing fine, and, you know, uh, experiencing new things, and growing, and growing, and 
you know, trying her best to stay close to the program because when she worked the program, she said, life works best. It's amazing. It's amazing about that. Uh, let's see, who else am I shouting out to? Oh, there's just so many people. I don't know. Um, I just don't have a list. I, You know, it should be like Rapper Room. Remember when she'd get that magic mirror out and she'd look and she'd, she'd look and say, hey, and I'm, I see so-and-so and so-and-so and I'm shouting out to you and all that stuff. Well, you know, I'd like to say that to you. Any one of you guys listening out there or have listened, thank you. Uh, if you have comments, questions, want to be part of the show, area code 323-580-5755. We are continuing on our journey into sobriety. Now, if I'm not on the air, that doesn't mean I'm not continuing my journey in sobriety. It just means that maybe i got a different thing going on in my life. But we have been doing this show for seven and a half years. Isn't that incredible? I think it's incredible. I think it's incredible. Yeah, I do. I think it's pretty amazing. And, you know, what I like even better is the quality of my sobriety does get better and better with every day that passes. And i got to say, it uh, there's something to this program. It really does work. So if it works for me, guess what? I'm pretty confident that it will work for you, too, if you let it. Okay? It works if you work it. you got to work it, too. So um, shout-out to Mary Lou, wherever the heck you are, Mary Lou, and Bobby Kay down in southern Illinois. And if you are working a program in recovery down in southern Illinois, you got to know Bobby Kay because he's infamous. He's just a happy, joyous, and free guy, great guy, wonderful guy. He was my sponsor for first 12 years of my program, very important. You know, and even though I've been sober 12 years beyond that, you know, he still was a great, still has a great influence on how my life goes forward. You know, exactly. Now I gotta laugh because I'm sitting here in front of my computer, okay? So I can see the screen because we're calling into the studio. I'm in Illinois, broadcasting from my office in West Chicago. Oh, and Steve in Orlando. I don't. Sorry, I didn't say hello to you. Steve's important because he puts the uh, webpage together all the time. Hi, Steve. Hello, Orlando. Hope everything's going well. Uh, my friend Lambert and Linda Sue, they uh, came out and supported us yesterday. I was doing a uh, Frosty Fest tree lighting ceremony with the West Chicago Lions, of which I'm the president. And... Uh, we had the little train, the lion train in the parade, and we carried Frosty. Frosty rode with us. It was a lot of fun. We passed out a bunch of sugar-free suckers. How about that? Sugar-free. We missed candy day, so we figured we'd just give them out, and people enjoyed them, and they liked them even better when we told them that they were sugar-free. Yeah, okay? And they are not only sugar-free, but they were free-free. We weren't charging anything for them. We weren't even collecting for them, so... It was a good day. Yesterday, we gave out a lot of popcorn. That's what the Lions does during the Frosty Festival in downtown West Chicago. We give out popcorn right next door to the Rotarians who are giving out hot cocoa. So it was a nice compliment. A lot of volunteer groups. It's always nice to see people come together to help other people out. And, you know, when I was drinking, 
I wasted a lot of my time drinking. That was it. That was my time spent drinking. And and I got to tell you something. I don't drink alcohol anymore, okay? Um, I take that extra time I have now, and I try to use it for the good of humanity. And I feel wonderful. So if you ever want to feel better than you feel now, go help something. You know, they tell you to go to a hospital, children's hospital, and read a story to somebody, even an old person, even if it's an old person. Go read a story. Go say hello. Read them. You know, I was sitting in church today. Yeah, I was sitting in church, and I was sitting with my wife. We were waiting for Mass to begin or service to begin, whatever they call it, before she got. She was singing, and I always go to support her and listen to her sing because she loves to sing, and she loves to do the bells. She works the bells, and so I go, that's my only time I feel compelled to want to go to a church. I think churches are good for the right people, and, and it's just not where I want to be. I got to tell you, I feel much more confident and comfortable sitting in an AA meeting, an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, okay? But that story is for another day, okay? That story is for another day. But uh, we were sitting there, and we were watching, and it, it dawned on me, and, and it really did dawn on me, that churches have such a purpose. Okay, and they really do have a purpose. You know, there are people that probably would never be heard, would never have anything to do to help out, and they can go to an AA meeting, I mean, not an AA meeting, a church, and volunteer and find purpose in their lives. And that's a good thing. It is a really wonderful thing. And... I'm never going to knock that because it takes all types to make things run, volunteers. And a church does a fairly good job of getting people involved, as long as they keep their focus on what they're there for, and that's community. You know, I, these communities that get paid lots of money, I don't, I don't get, okay? I don't, I don't figure that out. I guess it's none of my business. I guess the Lord said to me, it's none of your business, then. If they want to do that, they want to pay these guys millions and millions of dollars, let them. Okay? And I'm thinking, why would you pay somebody millions of dollars to be the head of a church? If they're, you know, whatever, orchestrating the Lord for the Lord? Uh, again, I, 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 gotta, I would love to be in the room, a fly in the room, where Jesus is and says, hey, I think that's a good thing. Let's give that guy a lot of million dollars. You know why we have people in this church that are struggling to feed themselves, but they give their their money to the church, and these guys make it, and whatever. I mean, it's unbelievable. Okay, but I'm not here to critique and criticize churches. I just did want to point out, though, I thought it was wonderful to see the the opportunity that some of those people that I don't believe would have an opportunity had it not been for the church, giving them opportunities to volunteer, participate. And that's the beautiful thing about the program of Recovering Alcoholics Anonymous is that one of the ways that we suggest and encourage people to get and stay sober is um, 
service work, helping other people out, okay, getting out of themselves, stop thinking of themselves first and foremost and only, okay, you know, I'm on Facebook, and I got to tell you something, unbelievable, the number of people that are, I don't know, vanity stricken, they just love looking at themselves in and posting on, on Facebook. And I got to tell you something, I love looking at them. I think they're beautiful. And, well, that's my downfall. But, you know, for them, is that necessarily a healthy thing? You know, but that's not my business to take care of their business. You know, I uh, I really need to focus on myself. I got to figure out what the heck am I doing there? Why am I so fascinated by watching these? Because number one, they're beautiful women, and I like that, and that's always been one of my shortcomings and downfalls in that regards. You know, the beautiful girls, I love them. Uh, let's see here, and let's see what's this. Okay, okay. So, all right, we were going to talk about codependency. Let's get on Google. Let's find our Google. Where's the Google? Google. Google, Google, Google. You know, there's so many, what do they call those, drivers? I don't know, whatever you call them. Where you, you, know, you go look up stuff. There's Bing and there's this and there's that. But Google, all right, we're going to look up co Dependency. Dependency. Codependency. Ah, how about a codependency quiz? We have a quiz here? There's a quiz. All right, codependency. All right, this is from the Family First Intervention website. Okay, I'll give credit to where credit where I get it from. Okay. Before reviewing the addiction codependency assessment, it is important to look at these behaviors as they relate to your loved one's behaviors and substance abuse. No, there is not. No, thank you. For example, a father may read, I usually think I know what's best for other people and say that's not me, which may be so in a particular case. However, not wanting to do an intervention by thinking he can talk to his son or daughter into treatment because dad knows what's best. That would be an example of codependency. A mother might say, I don't feel guilty when I say no. And to most people in society, this may ring true. But when her son or daughter pressures her for $20 and the keys to the car, she may surrender out of guilt. Again, review these behaviors in regards to specific situations in your home with your loved one and not your behavior outside of that. Are you codependent? Okay, did you know that there are different types of codependency. In fact, there are four of them. Enabling, avoidance, enmeshed, and controlling. Our codependency assessment is 30 yes, no questions to determine whether or not you are codependent and which type you are. So they're saying if you're going to be identified as a codependent, you're going to know what type you are. All right, let's take the test, okay, because it's free. Criticism and disapproval easily hurt my feelings. Yes or no? Uh, No, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. All right, for me personally, I'm taking this assessment. 
Okay. I make excuses for my loved one's behavior and actions. Uh, I used to, but I don't anymore. So I'm going to say no. I'm learning because I'm, I'd like to think I'm healthier. I feel guilty when I say no to my loved ones. And no. I'm going to say no, I don't feel guilty. We do almost everything together. Uh, loved ones? Well, not everything. No, we don't do that. I believe that I, if I can get my loved one to change the problems, it will be ch- solved. Okay, solved, problems, change. To change, we'll say yes. I judge people and things as right or wrong, good or bad. Uh, I'll say yes. I spend much of my time pretending things are fine. No. Well, I'm going to say not sure. Okay? I try to avoid conflict with my loved ones. Of course we do. I don't talk about the problem with others. Uh... No, I do talk. I'm a talker. I feel better when I solve problems for my loved one or others. I feel better when I solve problems for my loved one or others. Yes. But I learned that they have to fix their own problem. But I do feel better helping them. I do things for my loved ones even when I I don't know to or I know it isn't right. No, I'm going to say that. Not. When they are upset, I'm upset. No, I'm not. When they are okay, I'm okay. Yeah. Well, not sure. We're going to say not sure. My fear determines what I say or do. I'm going to say a little bit of yes, because I still have my fears. I frequently think it's my fault, guilt, and shame. Yes. Okay, have that problem sometimes. I have great difficulty expressing certain feelings like grief, love, anger, fear. No, that's not a problem. I feel uncomfortable and lonely when I'm with others. My mind is on my loved ones. When I am lonely when I'm with others. Nah, not really. No, I'm going to say no. I have trouble being alone without keeping busy. No, that's, well, that's kind of yes. We should go back. Can we go back? No, I don't think we can. I have difficulty asking others for help. Yes, that's me still. I have less difficulty helping others. Yes, I help others. <coughs> I worry more. I worry more about my loved one's happiness than my own. Nah, not really. I frequently feel less than others, and at times better feel better when others have it worse than I do. Um. <coughs> Frequently feel less than others. No. No, I don't feel that. I put my own interests and hobbies aside to focus on my loved ones. Eh, not sure. I rarely set boundaries that benefit me while holding my loved ones accountable. No. I sometimes rage and anger to get the point across. Yes. I must say not sure. I tend to withdraw when there is conflict with my loved ones. No, not really. I t- I I like to distract myself to work. Yes, I do that. I usually don't know what to ask or to say to my loved ones. 
not sure. Okay? I don't know if I'm going to hell in a handbag here. It is important to the family that our loved one make the family proud. Uh, was at one time, but not me anymore. I usually think that I know what's best for other people. I do, but I know I'm not right. Oh, no, I'm not going to give you No, I'm not doing that. <laughs> okay. Nope, you're not getting me. Not going to do it. But that's the question. Okay, so <laughs> I'm going to jump from this site. Okay, and there you have it. We talked about some of the questions that can help to identify whether or not you are a codependent person. And what is a codependent person? Well, I don't know if we got a clear answer to that. Let's go back. Let's go back. I don't know if we really did. So let's let's find out. Let's go back to Google. Google, Google, can you please help me here? Google, Google, we're looking for something. We're looking for codependency. Come on, show me what we got here. Codependency. Dependency. Not M. N. Look it up. Oh, I'm on Bing. What am I on Bing for? Hold on. Okay, codependency. The the um, the the definition of codependency is. It's a noun, excessive emotional or psychological reliance on a partner, typically one who requires support on account account of an illness or addiction. The tie that binds most of us together in this trap called codependency. Codependency is a behavioral condition in a relationship where one person enables another person's addiction now we have to look up the word enable, right? Because, you know, you're using it here. Do you guys know what the word enable means? Enable. Enable. Okay. And you probably have an understanding of what the word means, enabling. But let's get a clarification. I want I want clarification, which would be good. Clarification. Enabling. Enabling. Today is 12-8-19-R-2-R. Okay, road to recovery. Okay, so we're reading this. Okay, among the core characteristics of codependency is an excessive reliance on other people for approval and a sense of identity. Oh, God, that was me. I really did. Definitions of codependency vary, but it is generally defined as a subclinical, situational, and or episodic, 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 behavioral condition similar to that of dependent personality disorder. The term is less individually diagnostic, diagnostic and more descriptive, descriptive of a relationship dynamic. This condition is controversial among psychologists. Okay, so that's cool. So even the big guys that straighten us out can't figure it out, right? Codependency is characterized by a person belonging 
to a dysfunctional one-sided relationship where one person relies on the other for meeting nearly all their emotional and self-esteem needs. It can also it also describes a relationship that enables another person to maintain their irresponsible, addictive, or underachieving behavior. Any of this ringing true? Are you in a codependent relationship? Warning signs and codependent relationships signify a degree of unhealthy clinginess where one person doesn't have self-sufficiency or autonomy. How about that? Six signs of a codependent relationship. I got four of them up on the screen here. Number one, does your sense of purpose involve making extreme sacrifices to satisfy your partner's needs? Hmm, okay. Is it difficult, number two, to say no when your partner makes demands on your time and energy? i got to tell you something. I have a hard time saying no to anybody. So, man, I'm really majorly screwed on that deal. Do you, number three, do you cover your partner's problems with drugs, alcohol, or the law? How do you cover it with the law? No. Okay. Do you constantly worry about others' opinions of you? Uh, Not so much now, but I did for a long time. Let's see, is there more? We have to go to psychology today. Number five, do you feel trapped in your relationship? Number six, do you keep quiet to avoid arguments? Those are signs of codependency. The traditional definition of codependency is focused on control, nurturing, and maintenance of relationships with individuals who are chemically dependent or engaging in undesirable behaviors such as narcissism. A classic codependency model is the alcoholic husband and his enabling wife. DuPont and McGovern, 1991, argue that codependent individuals share the responsibility for the unhealthy behavior primarily by focusing their lives on the sick or the bad behavior and by letting, making their own self-esteem and well-being contingent on the behavior of the unhealthy self, unhealthy family member. <clears throat> Obviously, there's a book because it's referencing a page here. Le Pierre Poiré, 1992, proposed that the functional, healthy partner nurtures the affected partner when he or she engages in an undesirable behavior. This behavior is ultimately pleasant to the affected partner afflicted partner, which serves to reinforce it. The partner who controls the most rewards, which builds his or her power base, is assumed to be the powerful one, while the other is indebted to him or her. Beetle. Beatty. Beatty. 1987. Borrowing a phrase from my clinical mentor, Reve Simon, Whenever there is ongoing conflict, there is underlying agreement, or in other words, it takes two to tango, and the dependent or sub, subservient partner may not be as weak, passive, or innocent as they appear. So don't let them fool you. They may seem weak. They may seem helpless. They're not what they seem, okay? That's what they're saying, Okay. The development of codependency. At birth, we are intrinsically vulnerable and utterly dependent on our caregivers for food, safety, and regulation. And infant's attachment and bonding 
to one or more caregivers is critical for physical and emotional survival. This fundamental attachment makes the infant reliant on the needs and vulnerabilities of the caregiver. Growing up with an unreliable or unavailable parent means taking on the role of caretaker and or enabler. A child in this situation puts the parent's needs first. Dysfunctional families do not acknowledge that problems exist. As a result, its members express repressed emotions and disregard their own needs to focus on the needs of the unavailable parent. When the parent parentified, parentified child becomes an adult, he or she repeats the same dynamic in their own relationships. You know, I've got a mother that I've got several family members that kind of throw themselves at her, and I can't seem to even care to want to go see her, Okay. Yeah, I I don't feel compelled to want to go see my mother. Uh, she was nasty to me. She did a, several things over a course of years that were really unmotherly-like. And I just can't initiate that bond. I have and will continue to go see her on occasion. Somewhat of a duty that I feel compelled to do because she is still my mother but I just don't have that that emblazoned relationship kind of thing going here you know I just don't I just don't have it wow look at this I'm watching my grandson on Facebook here and he is building like crazy awesome job man I'm impressed awesome Work, dude. Young Young Skywalker. I call him Young Skywalker. <clears throat> young Work Sky, whatever. That's your grandpa. He doesn't know how to write things very well. Oh, and there's Mary Lou putting a hit on Santa Claus here. Santa asked if I was naughty or nice or ice. I was honest and said naughty. He gave me a Woodstock stuffed animal anyway. Go figure. Guess honesty does pay. Okay. It is good to be honest. I feel good in a special way. 30, 30th birthday. Oh, my gosh. Yes, 30th day. Star was born. You were definitely. Okay. So, it is quarter to eight. Uh, time to take a little break here and remind everybody you're listening to The Road to Recovery here on Blog Talk Radio, part of the Link Local Network of Broadcasting. That's right. My name is Dan Chuba. I am the host of this show. This show is all about me and my recovery and the people I've met. And if you want what I have and you're willing to go to any length to get it, then maybe you'll follow some of the things I've done. Or maybe you have some of your own. Or maybe you think, for the most part, it's a bunch of hooey. And I've, in the course of my life, in the course of my recovery, I've met pretty much everyone. Not everyone, but many that shared very similar thoughts, ideas, uh, whatever. They just Some people thought it was totally hooey and wanted to continue. I know women who have walked away from children they gave birth to and said, listen, I'm not interested in these kids, and 
I'd rather stay drinking. Stay drinking. Do you believe that? I couldn't. I, when I heard it, I was totally amazed. Myself, I really was. I was totally amazed that somebody could actually say that. Say, I'm not interested in my children. I'd rather get drunk. I'd rather stay inebriated. And that's so sad. I mean, it was eye-awakening for me, eye-opening for me, eye-awakening. It opened, it awakened my eyeball. I had a certain eyeball that wasn't working, and, and it woke my eyeball up. And uh, No, I know. I'm just being silly now. But really, I was totally amazed by this individual saying that they just didn't have any compulsion to want to get and stay sober any longer. It was not in their plans. They just would rather not. It it was a, a conscious decision. So they say, a conscious decision to not want to, to get and stay sober any longer. And it was like, really? You know, the alternative was, I don't know, in my mind, pretty sad, but yet they... The individual just said that's their deal. They're going to march on and march into it. So you can't, you know, like they say, you can you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them uh, drink. You can't. And even if it's water, they prefer alcohol sometimes. You know, and, and, and that's sad because, you know, sad because, you know, that they would give up life and living for what? for alcohol or drugs and, and feel compulsed to want to do it. Oh, well. All right. I'm running out of things to talk about here. I know we were talking about codependency, but, again, it always is better with a friend or two, even a stranger. And we've covered a lot about codependency. If you had a thought about it, a question about it, call in. Engage me. For some reason, I feel tired. And I don't know that I've done a whole lot, to be honest with you. But I am a little bit tired. Sleepy. I'm sleepy. Are you sleepy? I'm sleepy. Okay, we're going to play some songs. I'm going to start early and play Marilyn Scott early. So sit back and listen to some Marilyn Scott. We'll be back with more of The Road to Recovery here on Blog Talk Radio, part of the Link Logo Network of Broadcasting. I hope you join us. It'd be nice if I had music on, right? Let's get some sound up here first. Okay. If today were the last of all days, would it change how you Is there still so much more that you want? 
Yeah. 
YouTube TV has your favorite shows. Live TV from 70 plus channels. Try it free.
Okay, okay, enough. Sorry, we're done with that. Okay, welcome back, back everybody, to the World of Recovery. I'm sorry. I am just relaxing. Long weekend, week. And that's it. A lot of my mind, work, busy, but nothing worth drinking over. I hope you had a good week. I'm going to end the show right now. <clears throat> I'm uh, just all tuckered out. Okay? hope you had a good week. I hope you have a great week coming up. <clears throat> We're settling into some really cold weather. <clears throat> Excuse me. Really. And, uh, well, I don't know. Just stay sober. Reach out. Don't let people drive drunk in this weather and this uh, time of year. Too many drunk drivers out there. Let's give each other a break out there, huh? Okay, let's be friends. Let's be nice. Let's get along, okay? Go over and say hello to somebody you haven't talked to before and give them a hug, okay? Tell them it's from me. How's that? Tell them it's from me. I'll be back next week, 7 o'clock. I always am. We usually give it at least a good one-hour show, and uh, maybe two. We never know. We have a guest. Maybe not, okay? Thanks again for listening. We'll uh, catch you later. More on the road to recovery. Good night, everyone.